Revolting is produced by The Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at The Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. Is revolting with Steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent episode seventy. Now you're cooking with Daddy. Content warning: We're gonna swear and get gross. It'll be immature. It might turn your stomach. We can't be sure of how bad it's going to be until the next words escape our mouths. There's no real script here, and we're both inclined to say the most terrible thing we can think of. <laughs> if you're worried, you might not like that. You probably won't. <laughs> Uh, and I just noticed, I looked at the notes yesterday. I, I just noticed that today's episode is, is called now you're cooking with daddy, uh, which <laughs> came about because I couldn't remember the term Bob's your uncle and <laughs> cooking with gas and daddy and uncle seemed and Bob, they, they all seem somewhat related to, to me. Yes. And so now you're cooking with daddy just came out of the ether and it's the dumbest it's the dumbest saying, but it's kind of stuck. I like it. And I had given this show a different title. And for some reason, I was like, ah, that title sucks. And then it just popped into my head. Now you're cooking with dad. Now you're cooking with dad. Because daddy. I've heard you. I've heard you say it. <laughs> um, I got my friend. I do a thing. My friend Emily says it too. And Kay, the woman who owns the bar that I work at, uh, I, I ordered something or I was having a conversation with her one day and she said, now nah, you're cooking with daddy. I was like, oh my <laughs> God. <It's, laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt. It's going worldwide. <laughs> well, I do a thing because I think a lot of those expressions are, are like, a lot of people don't know them. Like now you're cooking with gas and they're, uh, and they look at you like, what? Because it's, I don't know, from the 50s or 60s of the last century. Yeah, you're on the trolley. I think. Yeah, that's right. Um, but so I let, and Bob's your uncle, I think, comes from um, the UK. Mm-hmm. I think. So I like when, especially when I'm talking to someone from the UK, I'll say, Bob's your uncle. Tony's got a brand new motor. <laughs> now, and I'll just string a whole bunch of, <laughs> I'll just string a whole bunch of them together. Weren't we, um, weren't we trying to, Oh no, uh, my buddy Jay Mack was in town. I thought it was for you for a second. I I thought you and I were doing this, but we were trying to have entire conversations comprised of various colloquialisms. Yes, uh, you know, a penny saved is a penny earned, and what like I always say, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, and is it, or a bird in the you know. And we were we were like, and then we just started in, inventing like freestyling stuff, and it was uh, it was pretty funny. He's much better at that sort of thing uh, than I am. He's far more quick-witted than I am, but it was, uh, it was a kind of a fun exercise. I used to play a game with some friends of mine, um, very originally also called the game, uh, where we would say, you would say, if you said some sort of, uh, if you said, if you, if you uttered a colloquialism, say you said, well, you know, a bird in hand is worth two in the bush, the bush presidency, uh, President cigars, cigar smokers, 
Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator, and you just go on and you string like loosely connected terms and expressions together for as long as you can. I can't. I can't. I love I've seen videos of people doing that. Uh, I just yeah. watched one of a kid doing it yesterday and it's amazing that like anybody's brain works that quickly. I can come up with a phrase and then I, and then I <laughs> <laughs> and then actually it. you can't that's why now you're cooking with daddy exists because you can't even come up with one <laughs> it's so it's so it's so good i love how people's minds work um so the game i would like to mention also briefly because i don't believe we've talked about this and this is one of my favorite things to do um my friend joe fish when i worked at Santa Cruz, I guess I was working at Santa Cruz or I was working at Swobo right after. I can't remember. Uh, he introduced me to this thing called the game. And that's just when you're like walking through the room with a handful, of, like a stack of papers in your hands. You just knock the shit out of people's hands. So yeah. <clears throat> he learned this game when he or he learned the game when he was on tour with his band. Um, and. Like the rules are, if I'm carrying a brand new can of beer and you knock the brand new can of beer out of my hands, you have to buy me a new one. But if it's, you know, like half or a third full or whatever, and you knock it out of my hands, that's on me. Likewise, <laughs> if I have a brand new plate of food in my hand, you knock it on the, you knock it out of my hands. You got to buy me a new one. But if like we're walking across the parking lot and I have a box of leftovers and you knock that out of my hands, that's on me. <laughs> so we were constantly like doing this stuff to each other in the office, never with food, but always knocking like you know, a box of bolts out of my hands or I'd knock a stack of copies out of his hands or whatever. So, <clears throat> uh, I went to, it was like the second year, I guess that Kona bicycles had their uh, product launch and they had gotten a sponsorship from Rainier. So there was a, there was a huge stack of beer for all of the dealers and, and media and everybody was just drinking off of this big, this I was like a pallet in my memory. It was, you know, cases and cases of beer. And so I taught Amanda K. Bryan and Corey Blackwood and, and the like. I taught them the game. Um, Amanda, because she is a rapscallion, went whole hog and gamed me for like three years straight after that. I could, <laughs> I could never, I could never game her. She just was too good and too vicious. Um, uh, but I did one, I was in Portland and uh, this is a few years ago and I taught my friend Greg and Robin the game and their son Strider, I think was 14 at the time. And we went to this kind of fancy barbecue. It was like a back backyard barbecue and you know, everybody was like dressed nicely and stuff. And the three of us were just raging on each other, knocking <laughs> each other's food out of each other's hands. And, and it was a fucking mess. Like we were definitely like the derelict kids at this grown up barbecue. Um, and Robin told me the next, I guess it was the weekend that I'd stayed there. And so it was the following school week. She dropped Strider off for school and was walking. He was very proudly carrying a whole big pink box full of donuts. And, um, <laughs> she very proudly upgamed the box of donuts out of his hand in a crosswalk. And it went up and landed on the roof of a van that was driving by. <laughs> and young Strider was like, look up and to the right and the left, like what the fuck just happened? And you know, she said, 
have a good day, sweetie. Like, you know, blew him a kiss and got, <laughs> got in her car and went, and went home. The game is, oh. is the funnest, uh, you know, but you also kind of have to play with people who know the rules. Otherwise, you might get into fisticuffs. I, I would not want to play with Amanda K. Bryant. She's, because I'm like you. I'm so oblivious. I was talking with my wife uh, just the other day. Um, I, we recently had her birthday and I did not have a it was her 50th and we did not have a surprise party because she doesn't like that. She does not. Don't surprise her. But she has had three, I think, three different surprise events for my for my like big digit birthdays. And I'm oblivious every time. <laughs> like every time I walk into the house, there's balloons on the front of the house. And I'm like, why the fuck are there balloons? Out? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, that's how clueless I am, which makes me a total patsy for the game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am. I am as well. Uh and I, you'd think I'd be better at it. She's even set me up uh, one time a few years ago. She was holding her phone. She gamed me and uh, like a bunch over the course of the night. And then I'm we're in her kitchen, and I'm doing. It's just this like monologue about how like from this point forward you're never holding anything. <coughs> blah 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 blah. And I know she's like, oh really? And I knock her phone out of her hand and she picks it up. She's like, ah, oh, it's still recording. So she like she set me up to record this victory which was totally hollow uh and then you know <laughs> for over the next three years like she gained she's never not came to me and then so she and her husband just moved away to north carolina and the last night she was in town there was a going away party and a her and a whole grip of her knucklehead friends came in to the bar where i work on saturdays and I knew I had to, I had to make my move, you know, like it was now or never. Yeah. And I gamed the shit out of a bottle of beer out of her hand. Like I'm on the clock, I'm working and the bar is packed <laughs> and everybody looks at me like I just punched her and she storms away. And all of a sudden I'm like, I'm the, how does she make it out that I'm the fucking bad guy every time? <laughs> She absolutely terrorizes me, but the second I retaliate, I'm the like I'm the brute that everybody looks down their nose at. So that sounds well right. played, Amanda. She's she's a that's guerrilla warfare. She's using her enemy's strength, uh, uh, exploiting your strength as your weakness. Absolutely, she is an she is a total psychopath. I'm if she didn't have <laughs> if she didn't have like a good family structure and and friends you know and like she would be a she would be a serial killer i'm almost positive i hope that she's it. listening or like her new employers or her family are listening and they're like yeah oh, oh. industry 9 has no idea what they've gotten themselves into i wish them well well when i was uh, we had another game called the game when i was in high school i think i've told you about this before growing up in Alabama, uh, you know, in the summertime, especially like in high school, you would get together with your knucklehead friends and do knucklehead things. And one of the things we would do, because it's hot, it is really hot. And so we would play this game where you park, you would park the car, say you went to get some, some fast food, you park in the parking lot, and then someone says, uh, it's the game. And the windows of the car go up and the air conditioner goes off and the heater, the heater goes to max. 
And whoever opens their door and gets out first loses. There's no winners in the game. Man, I love this stuff. I love like ever since I was a kid, you know, like try to get to try to get across campus without touching the ground or the game that the big one is uh, the floor. You know, you yell the floor is lava and everybody's like jumping yeah. into the shelves at the grocery store to get off. The <laughs> That's an all time. The floor is it's molten the, lava. Is it's an the best. I mean, it's just I I feel like being a grown up is so overrated. And and these things, you know, that that brought that brought us collectively, you know, people, human beings brought us so much joy as children kind of went by the wayside. And it's such a, it's it's such a it's such a ripoff. Such a ripoff. And so I love that, you know, there are still I love that there are still shenanigans like this and that I still can, you know, maybe inspire some shenanigans with my friends or I have a circle of friends. I'm fortunate enough to have a circle of friends so that if I yell hot lava, everybody jumps on the table at the <laughs> restaurant. You know, like it's it's just good. It's just good stuff. And nobody gets hurt. And laughing is such a, a vital um, ingredient of survival these days. Shit, man. Get oh. it where you can. If I'm not laughing, I'm stabbing myself in the eye. That's the truth. Uh, um. All right. All right. What do you want to right. do? That's the game. That's the many versions of the game. All of the games called the game. Uh, let's do music picks. Okay. Um, you go first. Do it. Uh, I was, I've been, I don't know where, like probably around 2015 or 16, I discovered this band called Windhand from Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. Very doomy, very uh, sludgy, but you know, thick, uh, auditorily thick. And I was listening to, uh, uh, was it grief's internal flower? That's a record I've been listening to a lot this week. And, um, and I was thinking about, uh, just like doom band, just doom in general. I love I love Doom. I fucking love Doom. Yeah. And I, yes. and I was thinking about like the first time I ever heard Mud Honey, and then every band that I heard that sounded like Mud Honey after that, I just wanted more. I don't care. I could listen to a hundred bands that all sound like Mud Honey because those ingredients work so well for me. And similarly, um, uh, was uh, this band I just came across called High Priest from Chicago? Uh, they're great. Um, Red Fang to a degree, Mother Iron Horse to a degree, uh, shit. Um, <laughs> uh, the Worship of Silence, Yob, you know, it just, all, I just, the trans, trans, uh, what is it? Trans, something Yeti, transmodermal Yeti, fuck, there's, <laughs> I can't, <laughs> there's a lot of syllables in that first part of that band's name, and, um, and it's kind of hard for me to put it all into place right now, but yeah, that just sort of those ingredients, those, um, tone, the tonality, it all is so sincerely satisfying to me. So I've just been listening to the shit out of wind hand this week and right. they have a bunch. I don't know how many records they have fucking like, but wh what's your, which album are you picking so that the, the people, Grief's, and, people. griefs internal flower griefs internal flower. i think that's my wind it band. might be griefs uh you know like possessive 
or grief internal flower. I think grief's internal flower. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay, go ahead. I like it. Uh, I think I have a sense that you have some um, baggy baggy cargo shorts and fitted baseball cap rock to to discuss today. I um uh this week I am picking Team Dresh's 1995 record personal best. Oh, you changed it. <laughs> In the notes the notes say helmet. I know what the <laughs> notes say, but yeah. I'm not picking that this week because you and I had a whole conversation yesterday about um we were talking about ladies who make great rock. Yeah. And I was saying, "Well, what about the Team Dresh record?" Uh it came out in 1995. It, this is, um, I don't know, uh, I don't think lesbian punk rock is specifically a genre, but if it was, I think this is like a manifesto record. Um, and it sounds great. It sounds great. Um, it's got, it's it's real catchy, but it also has um, some very loud uh, sort of sonic youthy elements to it that I enjoy. I think most humans with ears would like it is what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, if you were, uh, uh, like a maximum rock and roll record reviewer and you were to pen, you know, whatever, three sentences on this one. Yeah. Um, I'd say, um, punk rock ladies love ladies. So nice. Uh, the um, track team theme is a winner, uh, and every song is a banger. Okay. Uh, that's good. Okay, we got it. Please don't ever make me do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked writing record reviews when I was uh, a youngster, uh, you know, making fanzines. I always thought it was really fun. because And every review, you know, it was all records that I bought that I liked. I don't think I ever had a bad review because I'm fucking... I'm only reviewing records that I enjoy, you know? And so it was kind of a pleasure to come up with new ways of assembling descriptors um, in the hopes that, you know, maybe five people are going to see this and buy the seven inch. Right. Yeah. Right. You're welcome, bands. Well, I think in doing this every week, I'm running out of ways to say, this is a good record. You'll like it. Yeah. Well, it's essentially the same thing. We're not talking about records that we don't like or music or bands or whatever that we don't like. This is all stuff that we do like. So, of course, we don't have to describe it. We don't fucking owe you people anything. Just just go buy the record. Listen to it. Yeah. Buy the record. Um, Shut up. Okay. Uh, we want to take a real quick word from with for and about our from with for our sponsor oh hey it's story time with steve in 1992 i lived in denver with a couple of bike punks named mark dickerson and dave strunk they were both ex-messengers who worked in shops around the denver area and one thing that mark imparted upon me was sort of the importance of shimano as an entity in the industry He would go on at length about the painstaking efforts they would put into every product they brought to market and his enthusiasm for Shimano as a company, as well as the products that they made was undeniable and infectious. It was really at that point in my relationship with it as a company that I fell in love and I never looked back. So forever and ever happily ever after, steve and Shimano sitting in a tree. And we're back. We back! 
Uh, this episode is about domestic dirtbaggery. Despite outward appearances, we are functional adults who are concerned for our nutrition, who will uh, enjoy <laughs> cooking and eating, and who love good food as much as we love bad food. This week, we're going to talk about both of those things. Uh, kind of reminds Before me- you say anything, one of, my, <clears throat> one of the things I really enjoy about this podcast is the few little bits that I've written that... <laughs> You read. <laughs> Nothing makes me happier than watching you kind of scan forward. And I, like, sometimes I see you read a little bit and you're like, oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, <laughs> he's going to make. Oh, well, I don't want to say he's going to make me say it. <laughs> um, this uh, this topic reminds me there used to be an article in Thrasher magazine called Chef Boy, Am I Hungry? And the, it would be recipes like, you know, recipes for for uh developmentally arrested 17 year old skateboarders some were easy yeah. some were dumb you know where you'd be like oh you don't you don't actually want to put cat shit in your lasagna do you well i don't know the recipe right. calls for it oh. <laughs> uh, but uh yeah f- f- uh food food man it's great you need it i do love it i do too well thanks for joining us on um revolting podcast i don't know if uh you know, I'll, i've talked to I was just talking with some people about like, you know, the definition of a foodie and, and I think it's kind of, it's kind of a silly term, but then there's the people who just, you know, they go and they pay exorbitant amounts of money for tiny plates of food with drizzles and they take pictures of it and they fawn over the mouth feel of the pate or whatever. And then, you know, but if it's really good, if that nourishes your, your soul and blows your mind, Okay, but that doesn't mean necessarily that you're foodie. What about if you really, really like that and you go all ape shit for something uh, kind of over the top, but you also can appreciate a well-made pub burger? You know what I mean? Like everything in between? I kind of feel like that would be the definition from my perspective. Yeah. Yeah, foodie, I don't know. I guess like you like food. That's your hobby. I, I, I I'm, I'm there. For, I, I like, yeah, I like good food. I'll, my, my feeling is I like good food and I like bad food both. Mm. And if you te- try to tell me that bad food is bad, I'm not hearing that. Just cause it's like, I won't eat at McDonald's, you know, I'm sure McDonald's food tastes good. I don't think it does, but it's, you know, it's salty and it's squishy and cheesy with pickles and whatever. <laughs> And all of those, right. those things taste good, but I won't, I just, I haven't eaten at a McDonald's in probably 30 years. Um, like I just don't eat, I don't eat fast food. There's too many other, there's too much other fare available when you can, you know, go to like an independently owned taqueria and eat the one billionth burrito in your life. <laughs> and it tastes as good as the first, uh, yeah, I, I I do eat fast food. I eat it more than I used to because I have teenage boys who um, who really still like it. And I don't I wouldn't say I like it. But sometimes I like it like an Arby's. I don't know. I'm just an Arby's potato cake. You know, those are pretty good. I don't even know if they still have those. Yeah, like yesterday, yesterday we were on the road. We had to go to a wake in Western Massachusetts. Uh, so I jailbreak, I jailbroke the kids from school and we drove out there. 
And we did the thing that we needed to do where we hugged the relatives and talked the talks and did all that stuff. And then we were starving, and but we wanted to get back on the road. So we went to the Wendy's right by the highway exit. Uh, and I just got like the most minimal thing because I didn't want to be eating that fast food. But we got like, I don't know, 90 seconds away from the Wendy's back on the highway. And, and Owen said, oh, fuck. We didn't get Frosties. <laughs> and I was like, he's right. He's right. Turn it around. If I wasn't on the highway, I would turn it around. So, I mean, I think, and I definitely love to go in a 7-Eleven. We've talked about this before. I love to go in there. It's all killing you. Everything in there is killing you nutritionally. Yeah. But I, guess, I have like a... All things in moderation, you know including moderation. I don't, uh, that was what, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, when I was on the road with Tioga doing the Norba circuit, um, we would stop at, uh, Taco Bell and I would be so hungry and I would buy like two things, you know, like a burrito Supreme and a taco and I would eat them and I would feel like such trash you know, yeah. like, how is it that such a little amount of food can make me feel so bad? So, you know, any port in a storm, <laughs> but I just gave up on it. I don't think my body's built for built for it anymore. Well, what's funny is j exactly before I came upstairs to record this podcast, I saw my 16 year old. The school got canceled today because it's snowing. Uh, but the. Uh, exhaust fan in the downstairs bathroom was running and this microphone will pick up anything that happens within a half mile of it so I, I went to turn the thing off he goes oh don't go in there I I totally sprinklered that place and I was like oh that Wendy's not agree with you and he was like not at all <laughs> yeah but I doubt that he'll learn a lesson and he'll go back again and again and yeah till yeah his heart gets I'm out I have like a nutritional masochism <clears throat> to me too. Like I like to, I like to get um, good food. I like to go out for good food. I like to cook. I like to make a really nice, uh, nutritious, well-prepared thing. But I also occasionally like to go and buy a brick of Klondike bars and eat several of them in one sitting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've done that too. Uh, you cook for your family, like you are. You are the 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 chief food preparer. Yep. Uh, so you obviously enjoy it and you also like to cook for other people <laughs> reading the notes. Uh, so you, I would guess that you probably are a good cook. I'm a better, I'm, yeah, I, I've learned things. Uh, certainly I've learned a lot. I worked in restaurants. I think that gave me a good foundation because I saw how professional chefs and line cooks went about their business so that gave mm -hmm. me a leg up it didn't make me a good cook because you have to actually do it but i learned a lot of stuff about how to use a knife um how to cook a thing so it's not overcooked uh i understood that like if you're cooking a steak or a piece of chicken or any protein really you should be able to tell how done it is by touching it you know kind of the way uh, uh, here's some bike content. You can tell if you've got the right tire pressure <laughs> by squeezing that tire. <laughs> same, same deal. 
You got to right. develop a sense. You could develop a sense for these things. So I'm a pretty good cook, but I'm also I like really aggressive flavors. And oftentimes I cook for my family and like within two bites, they're looking at me like, what the fuck did you do? Mm. Uh, I was like, well, I guess I did like five scoops of gochujang sauce in the <laughs> whatever. Do you feel like you have skin inside your mouth left? And they're like, no. Oops, my bad. Yeah. You have and to I'm a notorious oversalter. <clears throat> make it super mild and then completely destroy yours and let everybody else customize theirs as they want to. Yeah. So it, sometimes I, I, I and I swing for the fences quite a bit and often strike out. Uh, but that's okay. What about you? I know you make a uh, mean kale salad. I do make a mean kale salad. I think I'm a I'm a pretty good cook. I don't like I I really enjoyed making food when there was someone to make food for and with. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. And uh, doing it for myself, I'm just like hmm. I'm just going through the motions. So I I t I tend to eat uh, I tend to eat pretty well. Um, I. Uh, but I don't like, I don't, I'm not, I don't feel very creative. You know, it's a lot of soups and stews and stuff that I can make and eat on for long periods of time or that, you know, the kale salad or black beans. And it's just really basic, uh, kind of staple fare. Um, and I do like cooking. I mean, I don't, my kitchen is a fucking joke, so I don't like cooking. I don't really like being in there cause there's, it's not. You know, this is the kind of place that was built with uh, not living in mind. Like <laughs> nobody, nobody put this together and said, yeah, I would live here, you know? Yeah. Um, I've lived in more places that are, are like that than, than not. Uh, mm. So it's just kind of, you know, you, it's like you just in it. I'm just in and out. I think when I have a nice kitchen and I have um, a, fu a functional space and, uh, it's something that I I do really enjoy, but it's been a while since since I've experienced that. So I'm just surviving. It's definitely tough if you don't have people like uh, my wife will say that um, food is one of my love languages. Uh -huh. Not that we talk about love languages all the time, but like basically I'm like I. Um, I buy if I go, I do the grocery shopping and I'll, I buy things for each person. Like, I know you like this, so I got this or like, I know you guys like this for dinner, so I made this and whatever. But <clears throat> when you're by yourself and it's probably um, I don't want to like dig into your deep emotional baggage here, but there's a, a lack of self-regard there. Right. And I feel it, too, uh, when you when you're like, well, I'm just cooking for me. So whatever. Well, it's just, I just want to eat, I just want to eat and like get on to other stuff, you know, like I would rather be drawing, I would rather be writing, I would rather be uh, watching movies or so I would rather be doing anything than like spending hours preparing food. Like it's just not that much fun because it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's just not, it's just not that much fun to me. Do you think, I've thought this a bunch over the last year that, um, an animal that requires three meals a day is poorly designed. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess it really depends on how much uh, energy that said animal is expending. You know, I don't really eat. I don't eat that much, actually. Like I'll eat like a pretty big lunch, but like a small breakfast and a small dinner. 
maybe dinner or maybe not. Like, you know, a lot of fruit, vegetables. It's do pretty you, fucking boring, really. Do you, would you say you consume more meals per day or cups of coffee? Uh, an equal number, I guess, if you include, you know, a small breakfast and two, and a small lunch, like two cups of coffee. I don't really drink. You drink two cups of coffee all day? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. And just in the morning. Interesting. Maybe. I, I've consumed afternoon coffee with you. Uh, we, we have, we have, I don't, you know, and like after, like I used to really enjoy, like I eat lunch and then I would go have like a post, a delicious post-lunch cup of coffee. But yes. all of the cafes here, you know, I can make my own coffee, but if I'm out and about having a cup of coffee and sitting down and drawing in a sketchbook and sitting in the sun, and it's just one of my favorite things in the world. And every cafe in the city of Bellingham insists on serving light roast coffee, and I fucking hate it. So I've just given up. Wow, that is a bummer. Yeah, I don't, I don't like light roast coffee. It is the equivalent of, of hitting my head on a cabinet. It, it makes me angry like I've bumped my head. I just do oh. not like it at all. So I'd rather, you know, I just don't, I don't, you know, I had to make uh, adjustments when I moved here. That reminds me of this one weekend after I graduated high school, but before I left for college, I had a, I, I lived down at the beach. Like I, like I was done with my parents. And I, so I moved down to the beach on the Gulf of Mexico with a friend and we did like odd jobs and stuff to, to survive. But one weekend, his aunt came down from Tennessee. She lived on a farm in Tennessee and like probably within the first hour they got there, it was like her and some of her friends. And, sh- and she was like, y'all smoke weed. <laughs> uh, and we were like, well, yeah. And she had a, like a, a paper grocery bag full of pot leaf there were no buds in this bag at all but it was like it was a massive quantity of marijuana leaves and we were like oh my god that's amazing uh but we began to um smoke it vigorously and all all you could get was a headache Mm-hmm. It was like all weekend, just light roast coffee, just <laughs> smoking joint after joint, just with a headache. And like all I, I know, I don't do these things anymore, but I spent that whole weekend. I, I think I must have chain smoked joints all day. And I was just like, oh, I feel awful. But maybe if I keep going, I'll get there. <laughs> you go all the way around the dial and then finally get high. Yeah, it was terrible. But That's I understand it. what you mean about light roast coffee. I don't like it. Never liked it. And and the Bay Area is uh, sort of notable for their for their dark, oily, rich, you know, cups of like really like it's almost like cowboy coffee. And somewhere along the way, I, I blame uh, an entire generation that would rather drink hard seltzer than beer. Uh, they, they, they got their way and now every single cafe, the one cafe, it was like the punk rock lesbian cafe called black drop. Uh, they moved to a bigger space and then the pandemic kind of fucked them and they, they were my go-to. They were great and they closed. And now Mm. I just, I don't really drink afternoon coffee, but I do enjoy it. And I'll probably want to be in the Bay area this coming weekend. And I think I'll probably drink additional amounts of coffee just 
just so I can get it out of my system. Yeah. Uh, what's the yeah. Be- what's the best thing? What's the best thing you eat, robot? The best thing I eat? Yeah. I don't know. Um, my well, my wife. Uh, I mean, we we have these children uh, that we have to nourish, so we we try to get a lot of vegetables going. And uh, my wife developed this sort of roasted broccoli or roasted cauliflower recipe that's highly adaptable. You know, you basically break down a whole head of broccoli or cauliflower <clears throat> into little pieces, and then you toss it in olive oil. With like salt, pepper, garlic, maybe some Parmesan and some breadcrumbs. Yeah. And then you roast it for like 20 minutes. Yeah. <clears throat> and it goes down real nice. That's great. It's a it's a good side. And if you're not feeling terribly motivated, it can also be an entire meal. Yeah. I mean, if you added a little bit of rice to that. Um, I also like I love I really love kimchi. I usually have some kimchi in the refrigerator. Oh, yeah. Super good for your gut, too. Yeah, good for your gut. Tastes good. And I will do... This is a recipe that I, I really like, and I have yet to find anyone else to, who enjoys it. But I will bust a can of um, of sardines in spring water into a bowl and then fork some kimchi on top of that. Uh, and that is like a high-protein very flavorful it's very intense but i enjoy that quite a bit do you and it's you dead just, simple you just fork it into your mouth or do you put it on yeah just crackers or something uh if i have rice i'll mix some rice into it uh i've not done crackers but i like it it's <clears throat> like you i'm pretty busy during the day and i'm pretty distracted so the list of things that i have to do like it's it's uh, the list of things I have to do is like a big t- a tower made of mismatching kitchen furniture sets. You know, it's like teetering all the time. Like, is it going to fall over? Like, that's my task list for the day. So if I'm distracted even more by food, that's a bad thing. So I, I tend to during the day, like around 10, 30 or 11, if I've eaten breakfast, I will eat uh, a bunch of nuts or trail mix and maybe some jerky. That's a good. That's a, a pretty sufficient meal. You got fats. You got proteins. It' pretty filling. Throw an yeah. apple on there, and you're you're good to go. Like you don't need to eat anything else. There was a time in college when I realized that I, I could survive on beer, bananas, broccoli, and bread. The four Bs. Oh, like yeah, I think in those four yeah. things, it had everything that I needed. Or at least to my 19-year-old mind, those four things had everything I needed. I think you'd die within a couple of weeks if you tried to exist (laughs) solely on that stuff. At one point, I used to get, I used to eat a lot of, um, I get a loaf of French bread and a block of cream cheese and salsa. And I just snack on that all day. And at one point, the lady at the grocery store said, do you eat anything else? And that was when I realized I needed to switch it up. Mm. I got called out by the lady, the grocery store lady. Uh, there's uh, what was I thinking about? Um, a meal that is, oh, I, I've started, I mentioned that I started making stews. Like my dad is a huge stew fan. I grew up eating kind of like, like a lot of comfort food as my folks are from Southeast Missouri and my dad grew up eating comfort food. So that was just kind of like w- what we had going in the house all the time. And, um, 
I had I I brought out with me among the other various uh, kitchen accessories and things that I I have uh, a big slow cooker, and I had never made anything except for like a couple of navy bean soups and a couple of different kind of split pea soups. But not so long ago, I got I just decided I was going to figure out how to make a stew, which you know. I don't think there's any recipe. You just throw everything in the pot and let it cook for yeah, 18 yeah. hours. But holy shit, man, uh, a good stew with like, well, you know, you can eat, you put meat in it or, or you can put some substitute, you know, make a vegetable stew and just throw all the vegetables and some vegetable broth and some red wine and barley or some, like I forgot, I ran out of, I ran out of barley and um, it was too watery. So I, cooked some pot or some leftover pasta that I had and threw that in there to kind of thicken it up. And it's just like, it's like you just, you can have a bowl of it for breakfast and then you think you're probably going to have been satiated. And then like three hours later, you want another bowl of it for lunch. And that's kind of what I've been living on this winter. And that's sort of my new favorite go-to. Um, and my dad, yeah, I was telling my dad about it. And he's like, Oh, I could eat, I could live on stew. Like I just eat stew like a golden retriever eating the same shit over and over again. I'm always super psyched. Like that's, that's kind of where I'm at with Stu right now. Yeah. We, we do that a fair bit too. Again, my wife, uh, she's probably a better cook than I am. Um, but she does this one with like a spicy sausage, like ground sausage. <clears throat> and then, uh, so you brown that, uh, with some garlic, uh, and then you dump in whatever stock you've got. Uh, and you add in kale and potatoes oh. and you let the potato and you just sort of rough chop the potatoes. And then once the potatoes are cooked through, you mash them in the, in the stew. And that is a real rib, delicious rib sticker. That sounds, that sounds good. I would like, uh, a general recipe. I have a thing of kale right now that's going to go bad if I like a bunch of kale that's going to go bad if I don't do something with it post haste uh so fire that re- fire that recipe to me uh oh, what me. a day we're having <laughs> <laughs> when we get what, off what a glorious turn the podcast has taken <laughs> we're talking about cooking we're talking about nourishment and you know now it's really easy dad. to i think probably uh there were probably there's probably 10 years in my life where i ate nothing but burritos you know, and, yeah. and burritos are great. And I never, ever get tired of burritos, but you truly need some, your body needs some variation and you need roughage and you need, you know, we, none of us eat, um, none of us eat enough fruit and none of us eat enough vegetables and none of us drink enough water. There's like some real basic, uh, tenets. Is that the term? that we need for survival but we just kind of we're constantly putting low-grade gas in our tanks yeah i'm guilty of it for sure oh i am i am absolutely am and it's i i i think having children has probably saved my life like i would have died of scurvy like an old pirate uh (laughs) a while ago but because we have children that we're I mean, legally responsible for, and because my wife is a really good person, she's like, well, we need to get some vegetables in those boys today. Yeah. I'm like, wow, guess we're not having popcorn for dinner tonight. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's uh, being a grown-up, man. Being a grown-up's hard. And then, because you're like being a grown-up for somebody who's far less of a grown-up than you are, uh, both obviously both physically and, and mentally. So uh, you're probably not, it's probably not far from the truth that they did save your life. I think they did save my life, and maybe I saved their lives, but we also, like, my boys and I uh, all enjoy bad food in a great way. Like, we do a lot of road tripping to ski or hike or do whatever, and uh, every time, I don't even like Red Bull. I actually, I disdain it. It's gross, but if we get in the car on a Saturday morning, they've been in school all week and they're fucking exhausted, I'll be like, well, let's get some Red Bulls. Oh, damn. Yeah, they uh, that stuff is actually poisonous. So maybe you don't. Yeah, maybe you don't like your kids that much. Uh, well, I th- <clears throat> I definitely believe in doing the dumb thing often. Okay, I mean, there's I'm I'm totally totally with you there. Yes, but, but that shit is fucking terrible. And five hour it's energies, terrible. five hour energies, also terrible. And I also I, I used to wonder, like I drank one of those one time, and it tastes gross, but I felt. Like, I was like, oh, this is what everybody else feels like all the time. Because I realized, like, I'm constantly fucking tired. And then to yeah. to shoot some, uh, you know, liquid speed like that, I didn't feel hyper. I just felt, like, marginally more alert. <laughs> so I could uh, like, have conversations with people. But otherwise, like, I think I'm always kind of, always kind of cracked. And I wish I could find some natural version of a five hour energy, which also begs the question, if you drink two of them, do you have 10 hours of energy? <laughs> it does. Or, <laughs> or your heart just stops. Or do you have five hours of fucking mayhem in front of you? I don't, yeah. I don't need it. Um, uh, what's that? Oh, pizza. We need, we haven't talked about pizza. We should probably discuss pizza. It's a pretty impassioned subject. Uh, New York style or Chicago style or Detroit style. Or New what's York. your New York that hundred percent? Uh, hundred percent. I don't hate Chicago style. I'm not one of those people that's like that's not pizza. Yeah, that people get um, real angry. John Stewart, he gets he got into a whole thing. Like he was like in a battle with the mayor of Chicago, uh, where uh-huh. he was saying it's you know New York style or nothing, and Chicago and Chicago style is just a casserole, and then the. The mayor sent him a Chicago, like a deep dish pizza, and they put it on the ground. And there, yeah, there was footage of a dog walking up to it and turning around and walking away. Uh, he hates it, hates it. You know, huh. I am in the all pizza. I've had, and again, I've had hundreds of thousands of burritos in my life, and one was inedible. And I've had hundreds of thousands of pieces of pizza, take home, frozen. Yeah, artisan uh, brick oven, you know, uh, and there was like a Totino's like take home pizza package that my parents got yeah. me when they left town when I was real small. And I made that and I couldn't finish. That was the worst pizza I've ever had in my life. So they gave that to you, like overfilling the cat food bowl. They were like, we're out of here, Steve. Yeah. Well, here's some Totino's. Yeah, they were. It was I think it was Totino. It was ragu, maybe ragu where you had like had this little bag of shitty crust and a bag of shitty sauce and some little sprinklings of some shitty toppings and uh yeah yeah they would leave town uh, you know go to denver and have a weekend together or something and they would leave me with like three pot pies and a shitty pizza at home <laughs> pizza kit <laughs> he'll eat if he's hungry it's fine um i've eaten a lot so there's a phenomenon here in new england um 
what I'm about to say might offend my Greek friends. And I have plenty of Greek friends and I love them dearly. And in fact, I love Greek food. So let me just get that out of the way up front. But there's a phenomenon here um, in New England where Greek people own pizza places. Uh-huh. There's a Greek there's a Greek food restaurant and a pizza place here in Bellingham. And they make a very specific type of pizza. And my friend Jim, who's Greek, uh, told me, he's like, oh, the way you identify which one is the Greek one is it's always uh, like we live in Arlington. It's, it would be Arlington House of Pizza. Any town name plus House of Pizza, that's Greek. So if you don't like Greek pizza, don't go there. And I fucking hate Greek pizza. It's like <laughs> it's like cheese toast. And I just think to myself, you have your cuisine offers so many delicious things. Why are you fucking with pizza? Please stop. Weird. What a weird. And what there's a weird one in our town combo. called Olympic Pizza. And someone, a few people were like, oh, I know about Greek pizza. It's terrible, but you're going to love Olympic. They make the best. It's the best pizza. It was the worst pizza I've eaten in the last decade. Huh. I was like, what? why do you people love cheese toast so much? So I'm, I'm firmly in the New York and it actually New York the, in the here on the East Coast. The question is New York or New Haven. Because there's a strong current of like Brooklyn is where you get the best pizza and another where New Haven, Connecticut is the answer. I don't think I've ever had New Haven style. Well, it is also it is New York. It's all that sort of thin crust, Mm -hmm. high heat. um, And I do like it the very best. The other thing I'll say, and no one gives a shit, but the other thing I'll say is broccoli and pineapple, which are both delicious foods, shouldn't be on pizza. That's just. That's just my feelings. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I, uh, I, uh, I, I'm a big fan of the sweet and savory as I've gotten older. Like I like those, uh, taste flavor combinations. Um, and I will eat some dried pineapple and some beef jerky together. Uh, I call that stoner's delight. That is amazing. (laughs) But on a pizza, I would, you know, if it showed up, I wouldn't order it, but if it showed up, I'd eat it. I'll eat anything almost. No, I will eat yeah. anything. I don't like canned peas. I uh, grew up with eating canned peas and canned spinach, and I hate those things. Probably will yep. eat them now, but I'm not happy about it. And, you shouldn't uh, have to. Mushrooms. I'm not a big fan of mushrooms. I'm trying to love mushrooms because they're such an amazing organism, but I, uh, they, there's something about them that sort of like it lands on my tongue sort of the same way scotch does. I fucking hate scotch. Oh, my God. Uh, I really love mushrooms in all of their uh, all all forms I'm working on it. It's sort of a textural thing and it's real earthy. And that's kind of the sort of that peatiness of scotch. I hate scotch like I hate light roast coffee. If I lived Uh, in a land where everybody wore fedoras and and did tons of peace signs and all there was it was to eat was scotch and mushrooms. I would do myself in for, for sure. Oh, wow. These are four things that I, that <laughs> aggravate me. Fedoras, peace signs, <laughs> light roast coffee and scotch. Those four things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's a hard hitting question for you. You set me up with a record review. Um, verbiage. Uh, there's a restaurant project in development <laughs> called what I eat. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's next to what I wear. And what I listen to. And what I listen All to. All bankrolled by store. Antonio Colombo. Yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah. What are two appetizers on the menu at what I eat? Oh, um, <clears throat> let's see. Probably house-made guacamole for sure. And, um, uh, it's a, well, I was going to make a crack about a charcuterie board, but I sort of lost momentum with that. Uh, what is another good app? What is another For good app? For listeners at home, I actually watched him lose momentum with it, like on his face. <laughs> I saw his face lose momentum. Uh, I, I really like, I like spring rolls with the, with a peanut sauce, like a fresh spring oh, roll sure. with the peanut sauce. But oh, yeah, Vietnamese uh, style. Yeah. But all of this stuff is like, if I started a restaurant called what I eat and then I started co-opting and making fresh spring rolls, that would just be, you know, dumb white guy making Bet I, you know, like pigs in a blanket. I'd do some uh, corn dog bites or something like that. Yeah, I think um, co-opting or what's the word? Cultural appropriation of foods. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe this is I don't know if this is the right or wrong thing to say, but uh, cultures are communicated by their foods. I think as long as you do the food justice, I think you're all right. To share that and spread it. Well, it maybe I'm wrong. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be white guy starting a Vietnamese restaurant or a white guy starting a a Spanish tapas restaurant or something like that. It's just like this is just <laughs> the whole premise of what I eat is just me like making a menu comprised of shit that I enjoy <laughs> eating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and trying yeah. to keep everything under ten dollars or everything under twelve dollars or something. I just like I think the oh, the concept of that I think is really interesting and you know like good like whole foods and the, i love the notion of um like soul food being extra delicious because it's actually made with love you know it's made with care it's made with concern the the animals uh that are used in the food are thanked like it's really it's really a beautiful process. It's somebody who is enjoying making it and enjoy, enjoying uh, feeding people as much as it is the people enjoying being fed. And it's it's uh, that really clicks with me. And if I'm never going to make a restaurant, I can barely fucking pay my bills on time, you know, like it'll never happen. But I just love the idea of making something that is simple and and made with care uh, for the ingredients and the people who will eventually eat it. My favorite restaurant of all time was this place in Cambridge, just just above Harvard uh, on Mass Ave called Soul Food Kitchen. It was a little Korean place run by this old Korean couple that we and we called the we called it grandma's because this lady Clara was like our Korean grandma and we would go in there and she would be she'd be like how are you doing oh you're a little sick let me make you this soup and it was that exact kind of like she loved the food and she loved you and she was going to make food that was for you it wasn't like That's oh brilliant. i made this I made this thing because it's on the menu, but she was like, Oh, you're not feeling very good today. Let me add some whatever to the dumpling rice cake soup for you. That was the best. 
That's brilliant. I mean, it's it's yeah. really I can't imagine how difficult it would be to run a restaurant and and operate like that because you're like trying to bang shit out and get people fed and in and out the door. And, you know, <laughs> there aren't many restaurants that I've been into where I felt that level of attention. This place was a convenience store that they bought to make money. And then she started like doing some dishes to go and then they it got real popular and then they moved a bunch of shelves out and moved tables in and there were photos of her with lo- like big name local like Boston chefs like the kind of like royalty of Boston chefs because people understood what she was doing food like food people understood what she was doing and they were like this right here is the shit that's brilliant is it still yeah. around no, I think they retired. I think they retired. They were fairly old. Like, they had grown kids. They were just the sweetest. Her her husband was trying to be... I think he was trying to be a pharmacist, so he was always, like, behind the counter studying his pharmacy book. But they would both come over and talk to us. And sometimes you're, like, a regular at a restaurant, and the person, like, the people come over to talk to you, and you're like, oh, I really don't want to talk to people. But they were so sweet and sincere and told such good stories that uh, we just always loved it there. We went a lot. We probably went as much as we could afford to go. I like that. Um, it, yeah. rem- it doesn't remind me, but I'm just saying, you know, we're talking about like favorite places to eat and favorite and, and like attention and care and concern. Uh, uh, there's a place in San Francisco that I go to. I used to go to. Uh, obviously more frequently um, called the blue plate and it's probably one of my favorite restaurants in the world and the guy Corey who owns it I think they just they just celebrated their 20th or 25th anniversary or something and it's this little restaurant the menu is fucking killer the art collection is fucking killer Um, Corey is fucking killer the kitchen staff the, the wait staff the garden in back like it is just there is not a part of the the presentation of this place that doesn't absolutely exude love and they treat me so well when i go in there and it's like i i've become friends with them you know like i become like we're like family and i don't even go in there but i don't yeah i went in there last time i and Corey, unfortunately Corey was out of town so i didn't or he was he lives in sacramento with his family um, but the, it's just, I just fucking love that place. And they've always had one of my favorite things about it. Um, they've, they always, for years, they have an amazing wine and beer list, but they had cans of Olympia for $2, you know, this, this unbelievably delicious and expressive menu. And then you can also get a $2 can of cheap yellow beer. So fucking good. <laughs> so you're taking care of everybody. You know, like cheap yellow beer. I like that. Nobody's being excluded. And now since Oli's out of business, they have hams. Uh, and it's like, I don't know. I think it went up a dollar. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. The blue plate's the best. I'm going to be, I'm definitely going to be going there when I get to the Bay area here in the next week to say, hello. I would say we should promote that, but this will be out after you've done that. So uh, we'll have to hear. Yeah, it will be. Um, but I guess uh, Chris McNally and I have put a, art book out it's a sketch but basically a bound sketchbook of drawings that we've done over the last oh shit five or ten years um while traveling and while the official 
book releases will be done by the time this is published. Uh, I should have, I hope to have some signed and numbered copies of said book in my web store for sale for people who can't get to the parties. So there's that. Plug. So by the time people are listening <clears throat> to this, they will have missed the party <laughs> because they're losers. <laughs> and so they'll have to go to your website and part with that money in order to um, retain some shred of their personal authenticity. Maybe they'll be sold out and I won't have any books and then that'll be great. And then we can like move on to the next project. Uh, oh, I have I have a great project to pitch you, but well, I'll do it after we finish doing this show. Okie dokie. Uh, would you rather? Yeah. Uh, what is this all about? You've been cursed at a mega music festival by nefarious and distinctive subculture so that every time you leave your door, you magically transform into one of them. Would you rather always look like a juggalo or a Hare Krishna? That's right. Uh, so do I have to have like the juggalo makeup and the, and the Jinko jeans and yeah, what happens is you're wearing what you normally wear because you're inside your house, just being a normal person. As you walk through the doorway, you're magically transformed. It does, takes no effort. You just go straight from Stevel to, I don't know, do juggalos have names? Do they have like cute juggalo names? Uh, yeah, I think I think so. I don't know that much about juggalo culture. Juggalo they, Steve. They seem like real nice people. You know, they, I, they yeah, look, I got nothing against juggalos. Uh, not big fan of the music, but the culture, as silly as it, it you know, whatever. I ca- casting aspersions. They, as silly as juggalo culture <laughs> seems to me, they all strike me as uh, very sincere people with a love for fago is that what that stuff's called like the flavored sodas uh fago fanta fanta maybe they're into fanta fanta fago maybe both are um let's see so are my beliefs aligned with juggalo beliefs or Hare krishna beliefs or i just i'm just wearing their clothes you're just wearing you're just (laughs) transformed like you walk through the door and you're either a juggalo or suddenly you're in like orange robes with like the uh the paint on your face on your nose yeah. and the, like t- the top knot like the yeah. hairstyle happens automatically oh gosh it's kind of like a halloween costume like all the good halloween costumes are 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 uh you you can move around freely in them you know you might love to dress as a cereal box but that's going to really present a problem when you need <laughs> to use the restroom yeah uh i i would probably go with the juggalo just because the the clothes seem more functional. It'd be hard to ride a bike. Be hard. It'd be hard to ride a bike. It'd be hard to ride a skateboard. It'd be hard to run and jump and frolic. I think. Could be. I know how you like to frolic. I do. What about you? Uh, well, I'll be honest. I don't, um, I don't even really know what juggalos believe. I listened to a whole documentary podcast thing about them, and I still don't really know. Like, none of it, like, it would just (laughs) absorb into my head. Uh, But I think it's a pretty good look. I don't know, like, uh, do they look that different than Kiss circa 1978? Yeah, got a little bit of that going on. Yeah, I'm I'm down with that. I mean, the thing, the real uh, bummer on either one is uh, how other people are going to treat you. And the questions they're going to ask or not ask. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm down with a lot of what the Hare Krishnas believe in, too. Well, so am I, but you're not. That's why I was asking if you, like, all of a sudden your belief system wholly aligns with what you, what you choose, or you yeah. just you just go out looking like a juggalo, or you go out looking like a Hare Krishna. And uh, yeah, it's <clears> just <throat> the look. I would have to. So you're like, look, I know what this looks like, but... Yeah, I'd have to say a juggalo, and you know, and just because the clothes are easier to get around in, and I would be guaranteed yeah. to, uh, you know, face whatever prejudice juggalos <laughs> face <laughs> on on any given day. Yeah, I'm gonna go with juggalo. The anti-juggalo movements. Yeah, I've got a would you rather? Oh, also, so we do. Do we both pick juggalo? We both pick. Juggalo. Okay. Yeah. Uh, before before we're we're closing out, but I got I wrote this down for for the rapid fire questions. It was just oh, an yeah. extra little note. So, have you ever gone into like a, a airport bathroom, like a stall, and you look you look at the back of the toilet seat, and it looks like somebody had like deposited a bunch of sweaty lint right at the like the the top of the <laughs> seat. You know. Yep. Yep. And they, but they just leave it there. And then you think uh -huh. like, man, it's like your your drawers are shedding and then you're like picking up a bunch of stuff in your butt crack and then putting it on the toilet seat. Maybe nobody else. I, I'm a very observant person. Like I, I pay attention to everything. And that's just one thing that I've noticed. Uh, so my question is, would you oh, rather? No. Oh, no. Would you rather I go? I just need a minute to brace myself for this. <laughs> you, you, you have to you have to give like a, a solid and hearty lick. To a hundred of those little linty spots. A uh, hundred? Yeah. Or oh. eat 100 houseflies. Like the big, hairy, juicy ones that are, like buzz around and get in your biz and, you know, ultimately die in the windowsill and stuff. But you catch a hundred big flies. I'm going to eat a hundred flies. Oh, I need a hundred <laughs> flies seven days a week to avoid the toilet lint one time. <laughs> Uh, I, look, I know. I, look, we, uh, uh, the people who are listening to this show are members of the general public, so I'm going to address them. Some percentage of you do horrible things in public bathrooms. I don't know why you do it. I don't know why you don't do that at home. Just go, if you just go like you go at home, everything's going to be fine. Right. For everybody. Leave it, leave it like you found it. And even maybe, maybe even leave it better than you found it. I mean, I've been known to, I've been known to wipe down a toilet seat or two in my day because somebody has blasted urine on every touchable surface. And it, and I've talked to women too, and it's, it's not just dudes, you know, like in an airport, unless you're in a, you know, a, a, a open gender bathroom or something but i've talked to women and they say like oh fucking women are the worst like they don't they hover and then they spray pee all over everything like i don't know what the fuck goes on in in public bathrooms but it's always a horror show it is it is and i will clean up often myself messes that i didn't make because well i think there's like a moral um there's a moral trap there right so i walk in it's a mess right i didn't do it um but even if I like then lift the seat, which is besmirched and do what I do in the right way and put the seat back down, the next person in is like, what the fuck did this guy do? Yeah, right. So I'm like, well, 
also, if it's a mixed-use bathroom, it's it's people of all the genders across the spectrums and everything. <laughs> I feel like I just like I I would feel bad if my wife walked in after me and was like, "Oh, I have to like." What nightmare is this? What nightmare is this? So I I hate it. I really hate it. But I often will clean the thing, and then like then you need a shower. Yeah, I won't mess with uh, I won't mess with poo. I won't, if it's, oh, no. if somebody, I have a funny picture, somebody just absolutely blasted the top of a urinal. Like, I don't know oh. how they, like they stood on the lip of the urinal and then, you know, sort of that, it's sort of that graphic, like how you use a truck stop bathroom is you prop yourself up between the door and the wall and you pee all over the floor and you shit yeah. on the shit on the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I won't, I won't mess with that, you know, but like. If if it needs if a bathroom needs a little tidying, I you know it's a it's a compulsion, and I'm probably going to end up with some dread communicable disease because I'm trying to like tidy up public bathrooms. Gross. Well, you want to be on the right side of history, and I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> That's an excellent way to close it out. Uh, hey, yeah. thanks for listening to Revolting. Now, pay us. You can hit the tip jar in the store at the Cycling Independent. Uh, you can also subscribe to the Cycling Independent, or you could even go to the All Hail the Black Market website and buy something, anything. Without your bread, we have no bread, and not in the cute, gluten-free way. On behalf of the Cycling Independent and, what is this? Revolting. I'm Steve. And I'm Robot. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to suck it.